in this uh, tradition when we go on retreat <coughs> there's this um, <coughs> the, the culture or invitation to lower the gaze huh? so there's the silence uh, the retreat is a silent retreat and then we say we even do the silence of the eyes we lower the gaze so we give uh, each other the space uh, for solitude for the experience of solitude so you, so people can maybe uh, feel that in the community they are uh, alone and exploring their inner life and But for some people, it's very isolating, and it become kind of harsh. It's felt as harsh, and there's a feeling of separation, and, and kind of a, almost more of the individualistic mode of uh, living that we have. Uh, let's say maybe more intensely in the urban settings. You know, like you go in the subway, and and so the link, the association, is very easy to make, and it can feel uh, harsh. But this time on this retreat, uh, neither Janet or I spoke about it because I was like, "Oh, let's let's not let's." Uh, we really care about the silence, you know. It's, we we feel it's extremely important the silence, but let's not mention the silence of the eyes and the lower lowering of the gaze. But apparently, it's in the sheet when you come in, so it's mentioned there. So. Um, so anyway, there's been a, a couple of conversations uh, around this, and uh, I'm willing to explore what is another version of this, you know. Uh, and still, I very, very much uh, want to preserve the silence. This is something that, for me, is a great value. It's not an easy thing, but uh, I think it creates the, the creates the conditions for. Um, and again, it's not a lifestyle. It's not like we're trying to say the way we live here is the way we think is the best way to live. We don't. It's actually what I think about it as a laboratory. It's in the, we create conditions for other things to be revealed. You know, so it's not a lifestyle. It's an experiment in a way, or it's a conditions that we create. And so, and for me. Through the years, I've seen that the silence allows me to touch into things that I, I do not touch. And also, it's something very precious. We don't have, most of us, at least, don't live in so much silence, you know. Uh, we live in society. We live with stimulation. <coughs> and so that's something that I, I care about. And um, this beautiful quality of compassion... Uh, I think I've said this, but I'm going to say this again, is uh, this quality of compassion, the capacity to uh, meet in a very wholesome way the difficult. It's born, It's not. it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Oh, I want to be compassionate. Okay, I'll be compassionate now, from now on. You know, it, There's some conditions that create this. And in this practice, it's the way it's presented is, is that a quality connection with something difficult will uh, create the conditions for compassion to arise. And one of the ingredients for me here is the silence. The silence is one of the 
it creates the space for a special kind of attention to arise. Not that it can't be there when there's speech, but for many of us, it's a good training ground, you know, in the silence to to have a a privileged contact with di- the difficult. It's not the only thing that happens on retreat, but I think you'll agree with me that it's partly <laughs> what happens is that we come in com- in contact with difficult mind states, you know, loneliness or confusion, irritation. You know, we're not in control. You're not the one ringing the bell. So the chances of you having a, you know, a, an experience of frustration because the schedule is not what you would like to be is are higher, you know, because we there's a loss of control here. We don't control the temperature. We don't control the schedule. So, and but um, when there is a, the difficult that arises, if it's met with um, with uh, resistance, uh, then it leads to you know more agitation, more resistance, uh, uh, blaming. Uh, despair, shutting down, avoiding, running away, all kinds of things. And there's the same difficulty when it's met with non-resistance or presence, some kind of quality of presence. Then it's a whole different ballgame. And the Buddha was saying this years years ago. (laughs) He was saying, you know, there's a type of suffering that creates bewilderment. And it's very, it's, it makes you sink, you know. You become discouraged, you abandon, you shut down, or you revert to uh, behavior that will create more trouble for yourself and others. And you're saying there's another kind of, su- the same kind of suffering, but a different response, we could say, that will actually spur a quest. So, and this quest is a quest for freedom, for liberation. It's not... What we do here is not futile, just in case you're, <laughs> you're considering that idea. And you can, you're free to do that. But, I mean, there's 2,600 years of recording of the theory around this, but not only the theory, the practice of it. People have worked to embody this. this it's not like you read it in a book. That's already something quite impressive, you know. The, the liberation of the heart, the opening of the heart. It's pretty amazing if you can read about it. But that people actually embody that. They actualize that. They, they make this a living um, tradition. This is an amazing thing. Um, and, we, and we are in that lineage this weekend. We are people who are working at embodying these things. And so the Buddha was saying this, Ajahn Chah, great master of the Thai forest, great wisdom. You can read him online, you can buy books from him, you can get free books from him. It's just such a beautiful expression of the Dharma, the teachings. It's, I, I just love this, this teacher. There's so much love and space, space in his mind. And, and it's just unique. And he also was always talking about two kinds of suffering. This, the one that makes you sink and the one that makes you swim, you know? And it's the same event. It's not a different event. It's the way that one touches, you know? If one can have a quality of attention, just enough calm, enough stability of mind, and is touching something difficult and has this, the skills, we could say, is learning the skills, 
then the touching of the of this will do this. It will m- many things can happen. There, there, there's this uh, this quest that the Buddha talks about. There must be a way out of this. There must be a way out of this. I want to find. I'm touched by this. I want to find a way to alleviate this suffering. This is extremely powerful. And you know that from your life. For me, the encounter with the HIV is, is, uh, was that. It was, a, it was something that could have made me sink, I guess, or made me sink at times, probably. But it, it was also like an amazing spirit. Now I can have grat. I don't wish this to anyone, not even myself. Yet, it's what m- made me... It, do, it did that. It did, like, there's a way, there has to be a way out of this mess in the mind, you know, that doesn't want that, is judging. You know, there has to be a way to hold that. So it can do this, but it can do even more. It can, it can be personal. It can be to alleviate my personal suffering, the way that I'm touched by the difficult. But it can also go even further and make me want to understand this for others. This is an amazing thing that one would be touched and say, I want to find a way to hold this, to accompany this, to release this, to release the heart, so that I can actually be of service, contributing in the world. By the way, that version has a lot of energy into it. Sometimes we call it the bodhisattva vow in the, in the, in the Buddhist uh, uh, teaching it's this vow that when I sit I understand deeply I commit to I have this ch- uh, clear intention that I'm not doing this just for myself I'm doing this for others to contribute to be of help uh, at least not add trouble in the world you know but a clear understanding that I'm doing this for all beings and if one taps into this it says that there's a lot of energy there because for oneself is limited energy, but enough energy to do the work. But if one is saying, I'm doing this not just for myself, I'm doing this to fix the lineage that I've been, uh, you know, born into, let's say. It's been a lineage of abuse, a lineage of confusion, a heritage, and I'm cleaning that lineage. I'm cleaning those genes. They're going to express themselves differently. You know, they talk about gene expressions these days you know, now. And so, or I'm doing this for my family, for my community, for my relationship, for my, you know, something like this. as energy to it. And again, this privileged contact with the difficult is the only place where compassion can arise. And it's, uh, it's not only a quality connection, unfortunately, it's a quality, almost sustained connection, <laughs> or regular connection. It doesn't just like, oh, you know, I, now I have to be touched again, touched again, touched again by the difficult, difficult patterns of the mind, by the resistance, by the shutting down, by the, you know, I have to be touched again by the confusion in order to learn how to hold it be with it, make space for it. And so it's not an easy job, it's really a heroic uh, journey that we're on, but what is the alternative, really? 
you know that's a question I have <laughs> you know and of course there's other ways to do that it's probably not the only way to go on a silent retreat or to take on Buddhist practices there are the human mind is extremely creative and it has a great wisdom to it and there's many other avenues this is certainly one of them or you decide this for yourself tomorrow when you leave <laughs> not for moi <laughs> thank you but not, never again <laughs> it's quite alright also mm. and in this silence seems like it's a particular environment where the, the difficult patterns of the mind are kind of highlighted. I don't know if it's like this for you, but I can be so deluded in my life, I cannot notice it, but in silence I can see how the mind creates trouble for itself, how it creates its own little uh, tangles or web, you know. Sitting here, no challenge, nobody's asking me anything, they're not even going to talk to me. So I'm just sitting here for 30 minutes, what's that? It's nothing. And then <laughs> it becomes epic. No, not that practice, that practice. Why do you deliberate? They say not to deliberate. You know, and yeah, but it's because of the past. And you know, like, and you know, the people who've heard me, they're not there, but they are there. Like, I've been interior, you know, and it's only natural that it d did that, you know, but still. It becomes really epic, this being here, when there's actually nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. And then it's like, can you walk? Just walk at 45 minutes. If you can't, walk just half an hour or 20 minutes. I don't even mind. And even that becomes like, yeah, but I don't want to walk. <laughs> it's not the way, you know. And This is the mind. So in the silence, it's revealed that the mind creates trouble for itself, you know. And it's not easy to see, but... It's important to see it. So I'll, I'll just continue for a while. <laughs> and so, and it's in the, I don't know if this is the right word here, confronting in the facing this again and again, that one might learn, maybe with a few guidelines, a few little suggestions here and there, coming from the front or the side or, you know, that one can maybe find a way to hold this. I know that I found a way because of my teachers, you know, inviting me or suggesting that I could maybe, and I, you know, and then I would forget, and then they would suggest again, yeah, well, then maybe there's a way to open to, and oh yeah, there is, and and then I feel my way into it. I felt my way into it, and one of the ways that compassion shows for me that I'm so grateful for is uh, and it. It shows in different ways, but just to name one, for me there's this sense of um, that I didn't have before, the sense of space. It shows us space, an experience of space, where there will be a difficult mind state or emotion or turmoil, inner conflict or something. And with the recognition, with the mindfulness and the care that comes with it, before there was like, Fusion, no space. It was like the whole experience was confusion, or the whole experience was fear. And it started by having this little kind of space, you know, it's like this huge trouble and this little space, not like a big room of space, you know, like just, just enough that I could, a holding, what makes holding possible, that I could get out of it and 
the mind could hold this. And with time, this becoming more available, quick, quicker, and a little larger. And at times, not at all, of course, because it's a chaotic journey. You know? But uh, this experience that I'm so grateful for, so sometimes I'm sitting here, the mind is not well, but because of the caring quality, it's fine. I don't even need to feel otherwise. Because the quality of holding is so beautiful. And that is one of the ways that we talk about happiness, maybe in, the, in, Buddhist, uh, in Buddhist thought, is that it doesn't need to be pleasant. It doesn't need to be fine. It's the way that one holds what's happening. Because there's a deeper recognition that it's not going to be fine all the time. There's not, that version does not exist in that nature. The nature doesn't provide that. This nature is a nature of um, vicissitudes. Things come and go, you know. Things are smooth and then they're chaotic. And things, uh, you know, uh, there is there is uh, praise and there is blame. These are the, kind of the, the great winds, we call it. And there's the pleasantness and the unpleasantness. And there's the gathering and the separation. And it's part of it to actually expect just one side is totally deluded. And so that when we can start to recognize deeply from experience, maybe hearing about it is one level, but then reflecting on it and soaking in it, which is the meditation part, soaking in the winds, you know, being touched by the winds with this quality presence. Oh yeah, there is the pleasantness. It feels like this. Oh, it disappears. Oh, you know, there is the mind that is spacious, and then there is the mind that is all stuck, you know, and they're both part of existence. They are part of nature. It's not that one shouldn't be there. They are part of it. And so the contact with this might create the space or balance. Sometimes it shows up as balance. The ability to receive, accept, be in the midst of that some kind of grace. Sometimes grace is a kind of, um, you know, haphazard, is that the word? Like it just lands, you know, and good thing, you know. But in this practice, we learn to create the condition for grace to arrive, for, for grace to, you know, to be present. And so the compassion is one of the qualities of the free heart, so we see that the free heart, uh, the Buddha once uh, he had cleared his, his heart and of all the confusion, was still having a foot that was hurting, was still having a back that was hurting. Sometimes I had to st- stop uh, teaching to lay down because the back was hurting so much. But yet there was freedom in the mind. Why? It was not just all bright and there and... Uh, and bubbly all the time. I would imagine if the foot is hurting from an injury, uh, with you know, imagine a wound that is not healing or some something like that, and a back that is aching. It's the compassion that's going to be there. It's not going to be like, hey, hey, bubbly, it's all flowing. It's, uh, my sense is that it was aching. It was aching, and there was a quality of meeting the ache, you know, capacity, of courage, all these qualities that are born here in this silence, in this 
showing up again and again. Another quality of the free heart is this equanimity, this balance of mind. And so this balance is not indifference, it's not disconnection, it's, it's a, a steadiness. And again, this is not arising... What is this tone, Pascal? It was kind of a tone. It's not like this. <laughs> Let me switch tone. <laughs> is there another tone available? <laughs> so equanimity. <laughs> it's so touching. <laughs> that equanimity is not born in a vacuum again. It's not like, uh, oh, let me be equanimous. Apparently it's a good quality, this balance of mind, you know. It's uh, it's born in a very particular uh, womb, I want to say. It's, it's born out of uh, wisdom. It's, again, this quality contact with the vicissitudes of life that shows us that it's not controllable exactly. Somewhat... We can help a bit, but there's no control. And when there's this deep recognition of lack of control, you could tell me it could lead towards bewilderment again, being overwhelmed and abandoning. But there's a way that the deep recognition of that brings balance to the mind. Because the mind accepts that things are uncontrollable, or somewhat, or very, pretty much uncontrollable, or... You know, that we don't have uh, mastery over all the conditions. When there's this understanding, that's where there's this acceptance and this, oh, I accept that, no control. Not easy to accept. But the equanimity, the balanced mind, comes from wisdom, from deep understanding of the nature of the world. It is also born out of uh, others, other qualities that are there. So, a sustained attention, quality attention, an extraordinary care to what is happening here now, we say will naturally bring calm. Do you agree with that? That when you're, I mean, it's not like all the time, but. I've, se- I've seen myself all often that when I... So what's happening, Pascal? What is it like to be here? I just invited calm, not just attention, but some calm. Oh, there's ache in the knee. Oh, there's fluttering or agitation in the heart or contraction in the heart. So there's a, this mindfulness or this loving awareness or this attention invite, invites calm calm naturally the Buddha was saying naturally like in the image he was using he was saying like the rain that drops at the top of the mountain naturally will gather gather in little springs naturally it will flow down in the river naturally it will go in the St. Lawrence and naturally it will lead to the, the ocean it's only natural that it goes down like this in the same way your attention naturally will bring calm naturally will bring balance of mind naturally 
will bring uh, clear seeing, naturally will lead all the way to freedom. It's natural. And knowing this, we can help. That's why we want to pay attention, bring a caring attention to what's happening. Because there's an understanding of conditionality. Things are uncontrollable, but they are conditional. They happen when the conditions are right. No? When there's a deep understanding of this, oh, things are conditional. I didn't have control over these conditions. But it arose like that. But some of the conditions we can influence or bring about, the paying attention is a condition for calm. Calm is a condition for balance. So it's good to know that so one can live in this way, live aligned with the conditioning that brings towards uh, ease and peace. Earlier today we were doing this um, meta practice with the difficult person or there was some, somewhat of a feel you might have had of uh, forgiveness or opening of the, the heart around uh, difficult uh, beings. And there's a the forgiveness, the releasing of the heart, the, the heart that is tight around something that has resentment and that is stuck with some stories. Some of the Releasing of this happens also through the wisdom uh, of condition of understanding causality, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to talk about this well, but um, with practice, we start <coughs> to with attention. With we start to, um, I think it starts to be revealed that. It's not people that do things and say things. It's mind states. It's mind states that make us do things and say things. And, and the thoughts that run in our head are not so much led by us. Do you agree with that? <coughs> it's like I sit here, what I, this I, whatever that is, would want quiet and ease and spaciousness or love or whatever it would want you know and what comes is worry uh, evaluating constantly or comparing or judging or you know and these these actions are not performed by beings by people they're performed by mind states that's one of the clarity i think that i'm maybe i'll put it personal that i'm gaining with time it's like oh it's not so much me or others, it's the mind states. I want to become aware of mind states because generosity tends to give and uh, the mind that calculate tends to keep. You know, it's not so much Pascal, it's the, it's the quality of the heart-mind. You know? Friendliness tends to be helpful to people, tends to go towards understanding. You know? And so... In this forgiveness practice also there's this uh, working with the difficult, I'm thinking, is also the recognition of that, that it's dangerous to actually associate completely actions with a person. Think, these actions 
is that person identifying that with the person it's a difficult difficult situation to find oneself in if I zero in and I solidify an action with a person you see the difference with recognizing that oh in confusion this was done and this was uh, said and that was extremely hurtful we don't lose the clarity about that in confusion this was said or in greed this was done and there's a clarity that we can gain around this that oh because I see it in here when there is here some kind of hurt and mixed with some confusion there might be the rising of cruelty I hope you pay for that it might cross this kind this mind here if I'm identified with this I'm a cruel person that is a difficult thing to be with but if I have clarity I can say oh there's cruelty in this mind now there's a wish not the wish to alleviate suffering but the wish for somebody else to suffer and if I have clarity then that can be recognized I don't have to identify with this if I identify with this I'm guilty forever 20 years down the line you know I'm that cruel person who had that cruel thought or said that cruel thing it's no cruelty said that and there can be a responsibility of owning or caring about it or t- taking care of it you know and I, my sense is that's what we do in this practice we learn to care really very carefully about what arises in this mind heart because we know it can make us do things and us say things and us think things and nurture certain qualities of the heart-mind that are not helpful for me and others, disturbing peace. Yeah. And I think by sitting here a long weekend like this, we come in contact with all the different mind states, or many of them maybe. And then we can say like we can see, oh, that's how that person did what they did and said what they did and said. Because when there is that much agitation and confusion, and it's so hard even to be embodied, I'm sitting here in silence, and I'm like, ah, so gripping my throat or my heart, you know, that of course somebody would act on this. It's so unbearable. I remember seeing a movie of a a documentary on meditation in a high-security prison. And one of the men who was practicing meditation, was saying, it's very dangerous prison. Weekly there is a murder here. And so on a daily basis, I feel great anger or great fear. And it, it used to make me do things, basically because it was unbearable physically to feel that. So I would lash out in some ways that was dangerous for me and others. And he said, with meditation, that was very impressive for me to hear that that in that kind of environment, I'm in this environment here and it's challenging. You know, nobody's even doing anything to me, you know. And he was saying, now I can actually bear the sensations related to fear and related to anger so much that I can keep my cool, keep a, um, what is the expression, head, a cool head, you know, and see what's happening, what is the best thing to you know, bring the tension down rather than make it explode and turn dangerous for me or my uh, or others. You know, and so m- 
my sense of the universal nature of, uh, of ex- that's what's highlighted as I sit here I say, oh yeah, anger, confusion it's really confusing of course it will make people do things you know so in this way I can extend humanity to others and say, yes that's how these actions are performed that's how these things are, are done not that it's, oh it's okay we're all one, no this is still a bad thing to do this is still a harmful thing to do I can have clarity about this you know And so, in a way, that's how I think of the middle path. Sometimes we talk about Buddhism as the middle path. For me, the middle path, it, it's uh, one way to talk about it is of not indulging in pleasure, like looking only for pleasant things and comfort and, you know, and uh, avoiding at all costs and resenting and fearing the displeasure. That's one extreme that is not the middle path. Another extreme is to avoid all pleasantness because it creates attachment and fearing pleasantness and and you know uh, making life really hard. And, and uh, so the middle path sometimes is presented as this: is is having a wholesome relationship with the pleasant and a wholesome relationship with the unpleasant. But another way that I think about the middle path is that. The uh, one extreme is to identify, like so. I'm this generosity. I am this uh, cheapness, or whatever you call it. You know, like this. I am this control freak. You know, no. There is a controlling. There's a fear and a wanting to control that is there. So not the and same thing for others. Not blaming others. Not identifying others with their action. You know. Oh, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of greed. In action, there. There's a lot of uh, resentment talking right now, you know, clarifying this. So, not falling in the extreme of identification and not falling in the extreme of irresponsibility. Not me, I don't care. So, I can say whatever, do whatever, that would be an extreme. You know? It's all in nature. So, if I'm angry, if I want this, I take it, you know. And the middle path that is the recognition of what is there. This is what we're doing here. Recognizing what is arising here. Is that something I want to nurture or something that I want to help abandon, release, that is not helpful? And especially this weekend, we're interested in the friendliness, the caring quality, the, the capacity to rejoice for what is beautiful, the capacity to care for what is difficult, we call the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes. Mm. These qualities, the divine abodes, they're called like this, by the way, because at the time of the Buddha, they, they people, uh, some of some people, some beliefs were that what you really wanted in life, you know, the best thing that could happen to a being was to go and, uh, at the moment of death, I think, go and, and uh, uh, go in the Brahma world. So, so be reborn in, with Brahma. In, <coughs> for the, this, this was the divine abode, was to live with Brahma, this God. And the Buddha seemed to have said, oh, 
you you want you want me to tell you what I think about where is the best what is the kind of paradise? Paradise is these four qualities. It's not a place that you want to reach. It's the qualities of the heart. These qualities are uh, metta, friendliness or loving kindness, compassion, uh, joy or rejoicing or spiritual joy, the joy in the success of others or the beautiful qualities, something like that. And then equanimity, the balanced heart, the heart that has stability. Yeah. So we're saying, this is paradise to me if you ask me. It's not a place or it's not after in the next life. It's here now when one lives and these become friends that are a constant companion, I would say. And that's the kind of work we do here that they're not just uh, haphazard, that they arise here, a little meta here, disappeared, a little compassion here, gone, you know, a little stability for 20 minutes until you say that, then my stability is gone, you know. But uh, is that possible to um, make them sustainable in a way, you know, give them breath and width and depth, you know, that's the work. And that you're aware or not, this is what is being done here. This is exactly this practice, is exactly that. By coming to sit again, by paying attention again, this is the, the <coughs> conditions for the deepening of these qualities. And these qualities work really well together. They are very important to each other. It's said that uh, these qualities... Uh, alone can easily become their defect, you know. So meta can become very sentimental. I love you. I love everybody. You know, as it doesn't. Uh, it's kind of wishy washy, or uh, or it's very unstable. I like you, then I don't like you anymore. I, I'm, you know, you know. It's very iffy, we could say. You know? And the compassion uh, can either go towards despair or go towards fascination with the difficult and be stuck in the difficult. Uh, and so that's why there is this other quality of mudita, or joy, the capacity to see what is uh, beautiful and, and uh, working out, you know, and so that the comp- you don't get stuck in the suffering, so that there's a way that the mind can be nourished again by joy, by celebration, appreciation, you know, all this. So it balance, they balance each other yeah, in this way. The equanimity could easily, easily become cold and indifference, disconnection. You know? But because it's in relationship with loving kindness and care, then it gets wet or warm again, you know, reactivated. And because there is compassion, it, there's this invitation for the care to go in the battlefield of the world, we could say, you know, where the difficulties are, you know, let's go there, we can, because there's compassion, you know. Uh, so you, do you see how they, there's a synergy there, they work for one another. And all this is to, in order to, to what? To have an appropriate response. Yeah. 
an appropriate response to life so that there's this quality of listening of of uh, of uh, being touched by what is happening you know feeling it not not touching like we do for a second you know we see somebody the way they put down their teacup and then we have an oh now they're angry at me and they're going to be angry all night and it's going to be like that you know and oh you're angry I'm going to be angry too you know and, <laughs> and all these patterns are completely unconscious and you know I'm caricature I'm making a caricature here but maybe not that much you know because we, if we be, if we're a little bit awake, we can see these things happen. We, and it's uh, it's hard to see. It's kind of bad news, you know. You, with attention, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the difficult side of the psyche is revealed. You know, and, you know, it's not the best image of myself that shows up when I'm, at, at, you know, it might be also, but a lot of uh, the defects are highlighted. There can be a kind of cognitive dissonance here, like, oh, I thought I was much more generous than that but as I'm as I'm being aware I've discovered that actually it's very calculated to move forward <laughs> you know and so uh, it's being revealed in this way but um, what I'm saying is with this quality attention I read situation a little bit longer or deeper you know it's, it's not just my ideas, like one moment of hearing something or one moment of seeing something, and then I know, I know how you are, I know your kind of people, let me tell you about it, you know, I'll tell you how you are and what you think, and you know, like I have a little contact with the world for a second, I have an idea about it, that's how we function, human beings. There's a sight, a sound, then there's a conceptualization, we create an image, inner image about this an idea about it. And then if that's the truth, then I built with that. And then I might talk with somebody and say, did you notice that's how they are? And, they are. and we built a whole story together about somebody or about something. And it becomes reality. But it's not. It's very far from reality. And so in this practice, we learn to stay connected just a little bit longer. Just to have a deeper reading of what is really happening. Yeah little longer connection and that allows wisdom that allows care that allows for to remember uh, to remember for me that's something I see is when I pay attention careful attention I seem to remember my values I seem to remember that I care about respect that I care about understanding and if I'm in my ideas about things, I might easily forget about my values. You know, I care about honesty. I care about as many things that I might forget. Um, and so that's why we pay. Uh, we want to develop this careful attention in order to have an appropriate response to what's happening an appropriate response to what's happening between you and me in this conversation, in this relationship, but appropriate response to the world also. Because an inappropriate response... Let's think about climate change. There's a lot going on. I don't know if you saw the last little bit of news every day. There's several of them, but one of the last bit of news was uh, uh, 2040 or so, 
what what's then in 2040 did you notice that a few news channel or so there's uh, the new calculation is that in 2040 no more um, fish in the oceans you know no more salty uh, fish it's not a, it's not it's gone it's finished this, nine, tw 2040 this is our sons and daughters uh, world it's our world but certainly our sons and daughters world you know and so appropriate response i can i can despair i can uh, i can shut down i can hate someone somebody some people or you know i can have all kinds of response that i can lose sleep over that you know and i can bring a special kind of attention be touched uh, you know create the conditions for the arising of compassion. Compassion is a being touched by the suffering, but also wanting to alleviate it. It's a, it's a verb, it's, an, it's active. And so the appropriate response is, what, what can I do? You know, that's just, what with the energy that I have, with the status of power that I have, uh, what with the creativity that I have, you know? If, um, if I become reactive, I know, is that is it possible you think to have access to creativity not possible i don't think so there's a shutting down there's a fearing it's it's this um, uh, it removes the capacities of the mind heart you know it's debilitating is that a, the word there it removes my and so an equanimous mind can receive that information feel into the seriousness of that maybe say wow we have to do something what is there that I can do how can I contribute to the slowing down of that process to the creation of alternatives to so it's it's as broad as the world and the different situations that are there globally and it's as small as the appropriate response right now with this aching heart, with this obsessive mind, you know. What is the appropriate response right now? What is the way to hold this? Is it to kind of indulge unknowingly into more worry or accompany oneself in some ways that will release the worry and will, you know, bring more energy again so that I can be, uh, you know, act on in a wholesome way. And it's very beautiful, and I think it's in one of the Zen teachings where uh, a student asks this, the teacher, what is, uh, what is nirvana? What is awakening? What is it? And the answer of the very typical Zen answer, the answer is very short. It's two words. What is nirvana? Appropriate response. So, the, the, the free mind is a mind that has wisdom and can know how to answer, respond, rather than react. Yeah. And that's the idea, we're, that's what we're trying to favorize, or, or you know, it's the conditions we're trying to create here to gain more access to an appropriate response. So, just in case you would think, you know, it's all about receiving and 
you know, meditation is all about listening and feeling, and that's it, you know. If the understanding was this, there would be only half the understanding. So we do this, we develop this quality of caring and attention and friendliness in order to be engaged with the world. That's what we are, human beings. We have senses because we're, we're touched as a receiving part to who we are. And there's also a participating part, you know. And it's, it's not that separate. It's, it's flowing. It's, it's, a, it's a dynamic. And so what we do here is we're developing the receiving qualities in order to be better engaged with the world, whatever that is. You know, relationship with the co-workers or the relationship with the bus that is not arriving, you know, or, you know, the flat tire, whatever it is, it's, in a way it's irrelevant. It's a quality response to what is happening. Hmm. And so talking about these four qualities of the heart, uh, maybe just to finish, the, the benevolence or goodwill turns into compassion when there's the difficult, turns into joy when there's the beauty and the success, and this overall maybe quality of caring, of a balance, rather, equanimity. There's an image, just to help you maybe remember it, if it talks to you, that is used, is, uh, it says that the, the, the metta is the quality of a, the kind of archetypal mother with her newborn. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a loving kindness that is there. There's a caring quality. And the other quality that follows is when the child is sick, then there's a compassion of the, this archetypal mother as compassion for the the child is caring, is touched by the difficulties, and is attending. Yeah. And then uh, the mudita, or the joy, is when the child grows some and starts to engage with the world and discover the world and gets creative. The joy of the parents that sees uh, their child uh, discovering the world and being amazed and interacting, you know, and so that kind of joy. And then the equanimity the image that is used is the mother that uh, has now uh, their son or daughter or transgender per, uh, uh, child, you know, make it wide here. So the binary thing is uh, sometimes hurtful for some people because they don't buy into it so much. I'm happy about this, that some people are questioning that. But so the mother that sees their child uh, now becoming an adult and they have to be okay with the choices, you know, and and have to give the space for the, the child to make their, or the young adult or the adult to make their own decision. You, know. you have the right, that's my equanimity phrase, I have a few, but one of the ones that I like is, you have the right to your own choices, you have the right to your own life, you have the right to your own pace. You know, when I feel that there's a, an attachment a clinging to a, you know they should choose otherwise they should be otherwise they, you have the right to your own to release some of the 
maybe violence that I have in me of wanting to impose something on somebody. You have the right to your own choices. So these are the four images. And all these practices, like the metta with the phrases that you can, one can use or not, also have phrases, like this phrase of, you have the right to your own journey. One phrase that you might be interested in that I spend a lot of time repeating is my happiness depends on my response. It doesn't depend on the circumstances of my life. My happiness or unhappiness, my happiness depends on my response, not on the circumstances of my life, because I cannot control all the circumstances. I get to have a spear on the side of my body like this, sticking out. My happiness doesn't depend on the spear. My happiness depends on my response, how I'm holding it, how I'm dancing with it. So that helps bring balance to the mind, to the confused mind that thinks if only it was different. No, it's in the response. Or maybe it's in the response a lot. If you you don't think it's only in there, it can just bring a little balance in the belief that it's only the situation. If that was there, if they were a little bit more like that, what about the response here? In the compassion uh, compassion sentence that one can uh, use here this weekend or in life is, when there's a meeting with the difficult, I care about this difficulty. I care about this pain. I care about this pain. So I'm not turning away from it. I'm not shying from it. I show up. I care about this pain. Yeah. Let's finish with a little exercise, maybe a little reflection. Maybe just to experiment a little bit with the compassion and the equanimity more specifically. So find that posture that works for you. It's just going to be a few minutes. (coughs) Feel the body uh, sitting there. It's always the same instructions, but sometimes it's good to hear them be guided in this way. Become aware, conscious of the state of the heart-mind, the mood you're in, the tiredness, or the impatience, or vulnerability, or calm, or spaciousness. again with a clear intention to keep uh, the heart balanced not falling into the extremes of reactivity really knowing that's that's how I want to do this here Just think about uh, what's going to be offered in a way that uh, doesn't alter the balance of the mind So I invite you to think of uh, someone that you know might be experiencing difficulties right now in their life, might be uh, 
dis-ease, confusion, might be related to their relationship or career or finances. But one aspect of their life that is difficult. So with the intention of keeping the balance, the equilibrium in your heart, can you allow the images of that person and their difficulties to be there? In your own way, you're considering these difficulties, maybe seeing images or thinking about the distressing nature of what's happening for this being. And if you want, you would just repeat slowly this sentence a few times. It's a sentence of uh, one phrase of equanimity. This is how it is right now for you. So repeat this in your mind as you're holding this person in their difficulty. This is how it is for you right now. Not turning away, not forgetting. Staying with this in a balanced way. This is how it is for you right now. opinions about what they should do or judgment arises, try to let them go and just stay in a very simple and direct way with that person and their difficulty. And if you want, you can bring a, a sentence of compassion. I care. I care about your difficulty. I care about your sorrow or your pain. not falling in despair and discouragement or reactivity just this gentle care Now, maybe with the last expression of care, you could let the thoughts go, wish this person well. Come back to your body sitting here, in your heart, your mind. Notice the stability that is there is gone. there be a simple presence, non-judging presence. And just if you want, if it feels appropriate, you could think of one area of your life where it's, there's some difficulty, some pain, 
some confusion. We'll do the same uh, kind of reflection or exercise around that uh, that suffering or stress. challenge for you. You think of that area of your life. This is how it is right now for me. This confusion, this insatisfaction, this being separated from what I want. This is how it is right now. clear intention to keep a balanced uh, mind that doesn't fall into despair, dejection, anger, resentment. If you want to bring the phrase of compassion, I care about this trouble this sorrow, this confusion, this pain, whatever is the right word there. care about this relationship, I care about this loss, whatever it is. And see if you can let go of the images related to this or the thoughts and just come back to the sitting here and the simple hearing, sitting, breathing. Maybe just appreciate your um, willingness to willingness, sorry, willingness to explore and find a, a way to be with the different different difficult realities of this life, yours and those of others. Appreciate your efforts for patience and. 
calm and clarity and courage, stability of mind. Thank you for this practice and your uh, listening and enjoy uh, enjoy your meals.